There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, Stephen Postuma here, and welcome to another episode of The Gong Show. I'll be joined by Andy Burns and Simon Evans, and we'll talk all things food and hospitality in the Illawarra. We'll bring on local chefs, business owners, and producers as guests, and we'll bring in things for show and tell to talk about our favorite products or equipment. We'll also cover some current affairs and what's happening in the world of food. This week, we talk about the environment and environmental strategies and responsibility for hospitality business owners. And we have a phone in with Jack Goff, who's a policy advisor from the New South Wales Greens, and also Emma Huber from Sandy Goodwich and Miller's Local Bakehouse, two venues here in Wollongong. This is obviously a very important issue considering the amount of waste produced by the hospitality industry. So we hope that you get something out of this one. Let's get into it. Cool. Welcome to the Gong Show, episode number nine, The Environment. Uh, yeah, here at Babyface Restaurant with myself, Steph Postuma, and Andy Burns. Hey. Simon Evans. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for listening. Kick off with an acknowledgement of country. We'd like to acknowledge the Dharawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra and pay respects to the elders past and present. Yalunga. Yalunga. All right, guys, we're going to get straight into what we're talking about. We're obviously, we just talked about before that we're going to, we're going to try to tweak and change this podcast as we feel it's right to sort of make it better. Um, and I think one of the things is to just get straight into the issue that we're going to be talking about and then stuck we can in. Yeah, just get stuck in it's and then uh, yeah. we can, yeah, we can leave all the other small stuff until the end, basically. So um, we decided today that we are going to talk about uh, environmental conscience in business ownership and in hospitality in general. There's a bunch of stuff we can talk about. Obviously, if you talk about the hospitality industry, it's very broad. It goes from, you know, a hole in the wall cafe to, you know, someone who's just, you know, selling noodles or dumplings to all the way up to massive, you know, thousands of people, venues, bars, things that, you know, are open from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. to midnight or whatever like that every day. And yeah, huge spectrum of different things to talk about. So let's get straight into it. Um, let's start with the problem. Andy, we wanted to just kick off with some of the stats of some of the, some of the uh, issues surrounding waste with regards to um, what hospitality kind of puts out there, as well as other people. I mean, I mean, this is more general stats. You the, yeah, these are just some crazy stats from um, Earth Day. Mm-hmm. 
and they are incredibly crazy. It's just massive numbers of crap that we're dumping, using. And yeah, like for instance, uh, 2016 world plastics production totaled around 335 million metric tonnes. Half of annual plastic production is destined for single-use product, which I guess the single-use stuff is the stuff that in our industry we're, we're going to talk about a lot yep. today, isn't it? And yeah. um, I guess what people are doing about it, what we're doing about it or not doing about it. Um, so I guess different countries as well, like it's basically population, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Um, but here, uh, just another, another fact here, Americans purchase about 50 billion water bottles per year, averaging about 13 bottles per month for every person in the US. That means by using a reusable water bottle, you could save an average of 156 plastic bottles annually. Mm. Which, and I think it's, it's a crazy, I think it's 90% of, um, I read another fact on a website last night, 90% of all this, all the stuff mentioned ends up in landfill. Mm. So the other 10%, I think, ends up like, like bugger all recycled and the rest ends up in the ocean. Yeah. Mm. So, no way like, another fact here that's like, ridiculous that four trillion plastic bags are used worldwide <laughs> annually like four trillion that's a lot of bags that's yeah. an unfathomable yeah. amount yeah. that's yeah so americans throw away 100 billion plastic bags one percent of the bags are returned for recycling out of four trillion so wow when you think about it though like i mean there's places that i kind of go shopping um in the Illawarra, and they still have crazy amounts of bags. Like the fruit that you buy yeah. is you buy it in a bag, and then it's put in another fucking bag. Yeah. Bags everywhere. Mm. Um, and there's like, if you want to shop there, this goes kind of unavoidable. You can't really take your own and replace what they've got. Like, but you can. There's a couple of places I'm talking about. Well, you, you would end up with you'd have to take about like 50 bags with you, yeah. and you'd be replacing them and putting their bags somewhere that like. So it would be pretty. It would be pretty difficult. Like you can take them to the counter. Yeah, of course. That that's not what I'm talking about. But anyways, these I think these stats kind of. Yeah. There's a few more here. You probably won't read like every single one of them, but I think. Um, it gives you, us a bit I of think an idea. You, what I found when I was reading some stuff online last night and this morning was that these stats are, like you said, uh, Steph, kind of unfathomable. Like they are that. The figures are that big, you can't even really sort of. There's no mm. picturing or, or kind of having any idea how how much yeah. like volume that actually is. It's, it's just adding up. It's, it's you know, some of those were like there were yearly numbers, like 335 million metric tons a year. Mm. <laughs> That's been happening for That's crazy. for 50 years. It's getting to a point where there's just way too much. Plastic. Yeah, it's yeah as yeah as I said. It's unfathomable, and it's like that's yeah. That's every year. Like where where yeah. is it all? Like it's like how, 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 how does our yeah, yeah how does our how does our Earth absorb this amount of waste? Mm. It's yeah, very obviously very serious. And yeah, I guess we just wanted to kick off with a few of those scary stats, um, just to to sort of bring home how much of an actual problem that it is, and then we'll get into some of the the issues that pertain to the hospitality industry um guys do you want to like what i want to start with is talk about community uh, consumer expectations and opportunities that 
businesses have uh, to sort of be ahead of the curve, and 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 the also and the also the risk that they take in being behind when it comes to sustainability choices and strategies. Actually, rather than talk about this first, I think that I'll just play you guys uh, a short interview I did with Jack Goff, who is a New South Wales Greens policy advisor, and he had some interesting things to say about about this subject. So I think we start with with Jack, and and then we'll come back and we'll sort of reflect on what he says and give our thoughts. Okay? Yeah, look, I guess the thing to say for any business is that there is um, both risks and opportunities with the growing public awareness of the importance of um, managing waste. At the moment, um, we know that the public is becoming increasingly aware of especially plastic waste, but also just the general provenance of their food and um, the packaging and the transport associated with it. That's a real opportunity for a lot of businesses to get out in front of that curve, to be the people showcasing the um, most sustainable uh, food products, the most sustainable packaging and being able to tell their customers that story. And that's, that's a real opportunity. On the flip side, we know with a lot of industries, if you don't get out in front of public opinion, there's a huge risk that people start to complain, people start to turn off and people start to take their business elsewhere. And that's really happening at the moment in the plastics and waste space. I guess the Byron Beach Hotel and your interaction with it is a perfect example of that, yeah. where increasingly businesses are going to have customers asking those questions and they need to make sure they've got the answers, that they've done that research, that they've worked out, especially if you know they're in a place like Byron, but increasingly the South Coast where um, there are, you know, informed consumers who who want to know that, you know, they're not just having a night out, they're also having a night out which isn't costing the earth. So I think that's really what it says is that businesses need to um, have those answers ready for consumers and they need to be doing that research and there's a real opportunity to promote themselves in that space, but then there's also a real risk if you don't get on top of this sort of thing that you um, annoy consumers, but also that you have campaigns targeted against you. Increasingly, we're seeing it, you know, I I work a lot in the um, coal and gas campaigning space. We see campaigns directly by consumers against businesses to force change. We're seeing it with Me Too movement. We're seeing it with a lot of things where the changing nature of social media, the changing nature of people's ability to connect with each other means that they can run campaigns directly targeting businesses and forcing them to change. Um, And so the question businesses need to ask is, do they want to be in front of that and showcasing um, themselves as as an exciting venue and somewhere that people should want to come to, or do they want to be behind that and and, um, cop the campaign because it's coming? That's, mm-hmm. that's the reality. It, yeah. It's coming to all venues. We know governments are changing. We know that uh, consumers are changing and that um, plastic's either going to be regulated out of existence or consumers are going to just be demanding that it's gone and not engaging with businesses that continue to have, you know, really wasteful business models. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you think of any examples when it comes to 
businesses and uh, the environment and maybe in particular hospitality, other than my own, of an example of where there might have been some sort of targeted social media campaign or something that has forced change on any of these businesses? Well, we're seeing it right now with uh, the change in terms of plastic bags with the big supermarkets. We're seeing it in terms of, uh, with the big supermarkets, the um, amount of plastic that they have in covering food that's on the um, aisles and, and, and that's in, in their grocery, in, in directly in the grocery aisles. A huge wave of concern, complaint um, and publicity on social media and, and in um and, and, and increasingly in the traditional media, directly targeting the big supermarket change and forcing them to change. Now, that's they're a big target and they're, you know, copying the brunt of it at the start. But the, every business is facing this problem because the reality is that we cannot continue to produce waste at the rate that we're producing waste. Mm-hmm. That we're, we're causing huge damage to our marine environment we're causing huge amount of waste that's just purely generating a, an economic issue for um, governments and local governments in terms of being able to store via landfill that waste so we've got huge economic pressures coming down on waste we've got huge environmental pressures coming down on waste and consumer responses which mean that increasingly businesses uh, finding they either have to change and they have to change rapidly or mm-hmm. get left behind. You know, there's a there's a reason that people are increasingly um, shopping at um, uh, stores, local organic stores, bulk food stores, this kind of thing, and making that shift. And, and that shift is being driven uh, in a large part by um, the impact of packaging and waste and wanting to avoid that. So interesting points there, obviously, mm-hmm. from Jack. Um I'll let you guys respond to that. Like, in terms of yeah, the, that sort of opportunity that businesses have and uh, to, to to be ahead of it and be in front of the issue, and and then the, the risk that they take by not being conscious of it. It's sort of yeah, like how how do you respond to that? Like how how realistic is all of this to you guys? Like I I think I mean we've got a couple of different businesses, so it varies, and then we've also had a cafe before, so they're all very different in what what they use um like cafes it's like pretty hard because there's like there's a lot of disposable stuff you know coffee takeaway coffee is such a massive one but what i what i think that needs to happen there needs to be you know it starts with it's this kind of three sort of sides to it like you've got the government you've got the owner of the business and you've got the consumer i think everyone needs to participate for this for for it to work like You've got, you know, people selling the packaging to us. Like the um, more Enviro-style packaging is more expensive. So you can't necessarily pass that on to the customer as a business. Well, I don't think you've been able to in the past few years. Moving forward, I think it's inevitably, um, as we just heard, it's, it's, it's happening now and it's going to be enforced, whether it be by the government or... If you don't want to do it in a business or you do want to do it, you're going to have to do it sooner or later. Um, And it's obviously a very positive thing for you to do, but I think, you know, the customer needs to understand what's happening. Like, I think if this... If you choose to do it as a business, there's there's different levels of what you can do as far as, like, what bins you have in, and, you know, we can get into that a bit bit later, what you can do. But 
I think everyone just needs to understand that it has to happen and it's pretty important. Like if you need to put, put 10 cents on your coffee or put, so you can use the, the best cup possible or like you can't force people to bring a keep cup into your cafe. Mm. Coffee. I mean, you could if you wanted. You, you, could, go. you could, but good luck with that at the moment. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, no, I so I just think there's different there's different responsibilities that, that lie with, with the three parties, with government, business owner and consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think if we all participate um, and come to sort of an understanding of things might cost a bit more or whatever, because that they, in my experience, well, I mean, we have a food truck. Mm-hmm. So that's everything we're using there um, is disposable, but it's all, all the stuff we use on our food truck is all completely recyclable. Um, there are good options out there that aren't expensive mm-hmm. for a food truck. It is harder for a cafe because people want things that are aesthetically pleasing. And the yeah. consumer wants aesthetically pleasing things, and the business owner does as well. So there needs to be an understanding there that if it's aesthetically pleasing and environmentally friendly, it might cost a little bit more. And that cost, I think, that shouldn't necessarily, as a business owner, shouldn't necessarily all be placed on the business owner. It can go both ways. Yeah. You can cop mm-hmm. five cents and the consumer can also cop five cents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet in the middle and things get better that's definitely something we'll talk about a bit more um, Simon your response to some of these things like we, we will sorry we will get into a we will get into these challenges these exact challenges that we're talking about here but to start with just a quick response to that and then we'll go through and talk about some of the things that people are doing at the moment from what, from what Jack said that yeah it's consumer driven um, and that kind of goes both ways so if you're a consumer and you'd like to see more of these initiatives and, and more kind of plastic-free stuff, you have to drive that by, um, you know, going to places that, that put these practices in place. But also, on the other hand, and the worry for the business owner is it's consumer-driven. If the consumer isn't on site, and I think, you know, even like six months, a year ago, if a lot of places would have gone straw-free, they might see a bit more backlash because it's been more in the media, it's been... Um, more kind of pushed recently, the places in Wollongong that have gone straw free haven't seen any, any, anyone kicking up a fuss or anyone being pissed off about it. So it's, it's both ways. It's, it's like you're saying, like, there's opportunity to be on the forefront, but there's also opportunity if, you, if you're too far ahead, you piss off customers, you alienate customers. Mm-hmm. In a small market like Wollongong, when there's so many cafes to choose from, for example, like if you piss off enough customers, that's going to hit your bottom line, hit your business. Yeah, I think an example of that is, as we were talking about with coffee cups, I, there's some places that just don't offer takeaway coffee cups. Yeah. And that that's something that, that, that might be an example of, like with where we're at at the moment, being that one step too far, it means that you're alienating a lot of your yeah, market. Yeah. So um, someone makes has, it challenging for yeah. you. So, someone has to be on the forefront. Someone has to be doing it. I think if you... And if you get the right clientele and you kind of build that from the ground up, that, that, that's great. That means other people can sort of jump on the bandwagon and, and, and tail along with it. Um, which I, I know for us, it's definitely some issues. We're, we're sort of pushing it on the forefront, but a lot of stuff, you know, it's quite a small clientele base. We've got to kind of judge how other people in other venues react to certain changes before we're going to really put them into place. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely seeing things like where, where people are reacting to not having a straw to drink that little cocktail out. So you're noticing that? Yeah, yeah. From the people I've spoken to, um, you know, how we've all gone plastic straw free, and so Dagwood, and they, they've, and I was eager to see what their customers kind of thought of it, and it seems to have been all positive. Yeah, as, right. as it should be. I think yeah. we're in a time now where if 
the, the you know socially there's enough awareness that yeah. if someone did kick up a stink or wrote something on social media about not getting a straw, yeah, there'd be yeah. twenty people that shut them down, exactly. which, is, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it means so, venues can do that without any backlash. Yeah. So, have you guys like in in your experience? Like, I'll put this out to both of you. Have have you guys made any changes based on communication or? Uh, like a, whether it be a, a targeted social media post or something like that, have you made any changes or rethought any of your practices based on, you know, communication with the consumer, or is it just something you do? So I, something well, like something we did at the cafe because I think, as I mentioned, I think cafes are probably at the forefront of responsibility due to volume mm-hmm. um, of disposable sort of takeaway packaging. Like we, one day we did, basically gave free coffee away for, I think it was an hour and a half at um, Son of a Gun if you bought your own keep cup. Mm-hmm. And then obviously a discount follows that if you keep that keep cup and keep coming in. Yeah. Um, and we, we had a great response, but that was, I mean, we just took that upon ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like you say, it's a good, it was a good promotion as well. Mm-hmm. Like it goes both ways. Um, get people in to have a coffee, but it like, did, I did think the, the, the clientele you had, you had there. Did that that would have made it easier to make those changes because it's a pretty pretty cool kind of environmentally conscious crowd. Yeah, de- yeah, that. definitely. But it's also, I mean, the the bulk of your trade is office takeaways. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's that's a bit different. Like there is two sides to that, like two different sort of clientele's there. Yeah, and um, I mean, that was just something we did um, as a bit of like. You know, come in. We're doing this, and like, if you keep bringing, if you buy a keep cup, keep bringing it. We'll give you a discount on your yeah, coffee. Yeah. Um, but that—that's something we did. But that was definitely we took that upon ourselves. That wasn't really people saying, "Hey, you should like yeah. have keep cups available here," or which we, we always do. Yeah, like mm. we always did have that, and there always was a discount. But we wanted to kind of promote that a bit. Um, well, I think that that's it, it makes a lot of sense. I think that there are a lot of people out there who know that they should be using a keep cup, oh, but yeah. just haven't gotten around to buying one and yeah. making it a part of their life. That's so if the, you can yeah, be proactive yeah. about actually putting a keep cut in the hands of people that don't yet own one, yeah. then you are making some changes. Who knows? Like, I mean, if, if 50 people that day bought a keep cup from you and they go on to reuse that keep cup X amount of times, yeah. you know, we're talking some numbers now. Yeah, they, like, they all pressure yeah. 10 of their friends to get a keep cup. And exactly. 10 of their friends. And yeah, so it's interesting. Um, Jack referenced the, an interaction that I had, and this was, <laughs> this was my... Um, Steph kicking up a fuss. Yeah, me kicking up a little bit of a fuss. Um, anyway, basically, look, I'm, not, I, I, I'm definitely taking a step back on where I was regarding this conversation. Because um, basically what happened was I was in Byron Bay at the Byron Bay Beach Hotel and I was a bit pissed. And then at some point in the night, they, due to licensing, they switched out the glass, you know, schooners and, and, and mixed, mixed glasses, mixer glasses for plastic ones. And I noticed that they were using single-use plastic cups um, instead of reusable ones where there were other... other uh, Venues in Byron Bay, like the Great Northern, um, that were using reusable plastic cups. Now, I'm not going to, like, I, I in no way want, like, want to antagonise or demonise what the Byron Bay Beach Hotel are doing because they are actually a very, very environmentally conscious venue um, in 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 what they do. But I, I struck up a conversation with them via Instagram. It started with, 
and then it further like recently it's been through email because I wanted to get into some of you know the nitty gritty of the issue and why they've decided to use single use plastic and it appears now after after talking to them that the concern that they have is that they can't recycle reusable cups once they're damaged because of the you know the the systems in place and the infrastructure in place in the Byron Bay Council yeah, right. jurisdiction. So the, they they have access to polycarbonate plastics, and they can't be recycled in that jurisdiction. Is what I'm told by them. Mm. So they have then instead chosen to use single use plastic cups and have a, a vigorous recycling system that they put in place. Now. That's just the background on what that interaction was, but that's an example of communication between the consumer and the venue and then what needs to be furthered into the communication yeah. between the venue and, and local government in order for everyone to be able to practice their environmental conscience on an issue. I also think that's a good example after our last podcast on online reviews of how to interact with businesses mm. you may have a to get a decent response. Yeah. Well, you never know, you know, like, as I said, I don't want to demonise them at all because through the, you know, through the emails that I've been having with them, they're very environmentally conscious and big ups to them for it. Yeah. Um, well, I think you were, when then you were checking that they've, they've thought about this issue. It's and important then, to have, have it. Like, yeah, have. that's the thing. It's important to have these conversations. Like, I think that you know, if there would have been, a, there's a lot of other customers out there who see these single-use plastic cups come out at a certain time of night and go, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know what I mean. So, you know, there's there's kind of a bit of a responsibility on everyone's shoulders to do that little bit of research and make sure that you're informed about these sorts of decisions. So, anyway, that's just an example of um, that's that's an example of how of this sort of. I guess it's a part of the risk that Jack was talking about of places that are sort of behind what's in you know what's at the forefront in this sort of like current paradigm of where we are with environmental responsibility um but it's also an example of some of the the difficulty when it comes to navigating these things for businesses because you know you never know like i mean i probably ignorantly thought single-use plastic cups are shit yeah. but it hadn't but that was ignorance on my part, you know I'll, what I mean? I'll, I'll piss you at the time. Uh, was it a Bucks party? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a Bucks party. Yeah. It was Bucks party. It was Bucks party, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, so, so some, of the, things that, some of the things that they've told me they're doing, like they use, uh, they use uh, cornstarch straws, which are single-use yeah. straws, but they can be composted mm. um, there. And I didn't even know that was a thing, so I've been educated through that as well. And... And uh, the, some of the numbers they sent my way in terms of their recycling rates, and and they've also engaged third party, uh, third party environmental consultants actually yeah, right. as well, um, is is really proactive and awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's a fantastic thing. Um, and then yeah, like so from here, like let's get into, and I think that here in the Illawarra and in Wollongong, like you you said, Simon, there is a very it's a, it's, a, it's a small enough place where a lot of people know one another and a lot of these decisions trickle on to the next person and it becomes an expectation. Yeah. Um, so you put it out there on the, on the HOSPO crew uh, Facebook page to get some information about um, what some businesses around the Illawarra are trying to do when it comes to these, these strategies and issues. So let's talk a bit about what some of these businesses are doing. I think the, the big one recently has been straws and because it's something that we... You, 
also, a lot of places like every drink will get a straw um, and it's pretty unnecessary um, like everyone has two lips you can drink your cocktail normally <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, so there's just things in good kind of um, social media and the source of it's like you might be like getting strangled but the turtles don't mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't have a straw so I think that that's been the main change straws um, at bars yeah so Dagwood and Alan Wolf both gone plastic free um, and his I boy his boy as well mm-hmm. cool um, and and I'd say numerous other ones but we don't have yeah, yeah, a list yeah, here not, right not, now not like picked up. Um, so obviously that, that's been the main one and that's been met with a really good response um, which and I think that that's, that's the worry for every business like I said is that You'll change something, you'll piss off, and you're going to have less customers. Yeah, and and, you, and you, you've got to, you've got to try and, and stay open. I guess what, like one of the one of the issues is is that straws are straws are such a high volume product. Like if they're used in a big venue, and they yeah. can't be recycled. That's yeah. the yeah. thing. If, yeah, if and, they're, and they're small, and they yeah, they're, they're light, and they get fucking blown yeah. into the environment. Exactly. Like yeah. you know, so. there's there's other options. There's, there's the paper straws, which I don't I don't quite like drinking out, but lucky I don't really drink much of a straw. Mm. Uh, sure. Yeah, it's straight in my mouth. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, there's metal ones, there's um, bamboo ones you can get as well. Um, so, I've been sort of looking into to see which way we're going to go. Um, metal ones seem to be a bit of a problem because you have to clean like the inside of them, yeah, the little thing. And it's it's like I imagine for a high, especially for, like us, because I remember too many straws. Could be something we Clean can a do. Straw by hand. But yeah, it means I have to have one staff at the end of the night cleaning out all the straws, mm. which kind of makes it a, a bit of an issue. So we're, we're still looking at that, that sort of again, like with the whole difference between the venues and stuff. You've got to really think about it as as an owner as well. Like where <clears throat> Jen and I were talking about it yesterday, just getting rid of the straws here. And people in a place like this, like if they're on a date or whatever, like yeah. they probably like the girl probably wants a straw. I mean, we've just got to make a decision to say we're not getting one. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, um, well I, I, I don't like, like, like I don't know. I think that you know you're not getting one as an upfront rule, and then we have it. We have a paper straw option if you yeah. want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it up if you don't like paper straws. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be a pretty viable yeah. road to take. Yeah. Think, you know what I mean? Well, like, you got another option. I think. Yeah. You're gonna. Covered all bases there. Yeah, I think that there's quite a difference between, um, like Andrew said earlier, between a cafe, a bar, and a restaurant, and then the way you can implement stuff. Like, like we don't do that many cocktails, so we don't use many straws. We also don't so take, away, take away coffees as known as coffee cups. So, but yeah, everything's on a plate, everything's in a glass. So, majority of our stuff on the front of the house side is all reusable. And then we pay someone to wash it up. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, so yeah. what? Just for you, for when it comes to the food truck, Andy, what, like what are you use a wooden cutlery so, and cardboard well, about, packaging? Uh, Jen, I was talking to Jen about it yesterday because she organises all these things with the big event companies and stuff. And I think I think it's really positive because they these massive events there can be ten thousand people. Yeah. You know, there is volume there, and it, it can really add to the problem really quickly. But so up until I mean, we've always had the wooden wooden cutlery and the two different size wooden. Um, trays that we use they're cardboard, all, cardboard they're all recycled yeah but up like so that up until about a year ago you didn't have to do that as a food truck at these events but um, Jen Jen sort of said it, it was about a year ago that they've all implemented it you are not allowed to have them at these festivals yeah right, yeah, right. and they come around and check at a lot of them yep. which yep. is really cool because I, I don't know if that's coming from the government or it's coming from the festival organisers saying mm. right no more but 
I mean, regardless, it's really good. And as I said before, there are options out there for a food truck like us, so we don't have to cop an extra cost. Yeah. You know, you're going through like guess, 600 like, of these in a day or something yeah. at some events. Um, you're going to cop an extra more, cost. There's more demand. If, like, if festivals are putting that into place, there's more demand for these recycled things. The cost is probably going to come down. More people will make so, them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah so, but there's so, no choice anymore, which yeah, I, think, exactly. I think is great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's a good thing for... Um, you know, the festivals and all the food trucks. That's just across the board. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, Simon Kayla, who's been on the podcast, uh, was saying that she's trying to implement a few interesting things in the kitchen at Dagwood. Yeah, so I think one thing, the, I think bars where we take restaurants a bit more or bars with a kitchen, where there could be some really good crossover is, is using up leftover peels, juice, pizza lemon whatever it is and give them the kitchen and be like make some stuff um, so I think that's really good to see and that's something that sort of I think chefs tend to do anyway whether it's like using the whole animal making a stock that's a great way of using up using up bits I think seeing that crossover is really cool um, but yeah like um, things like using beeswax wraps rather than cling film mm. and that's probably one that restaurants are pretty guilty of is wrapping everything Film. Yes, and you, yeah. and you can Definitely. go through same, quite a same lot. Thing. Yeah, so um, and so that so that's an option. You, you, you can get you basically get material you cover it in beeswax, and that can be used to cover mm. stuff. Not hundred percent sold in that yet. Um, I mean, you it's that it's, it's fantastic at home. I use them at home. Yeah, yeah, I think but, it's uh, probably better for home. I mean, if but you guys are covering options. if you guys are covering large commercial size oven trays and things like yeah. that, uh, yeah, like I, I've never seen a beeswax wrap wax wrap. Big enough to yeah to, yeah to, exactly. to hit one of them. yeah there, there are some other options I've seen of kind of like like rubber coverings for different different sizes oh, containers okay. yep. in the future um, also things like like you know, your veg supplier will always bring you stuff in, in different boxes and you have to fucking pack it down you, you, know, you fill up a couple of yellow bins a week just the boxes and it's like well how about giving the supplier a couple of plastic containers and be yeah. able to bring my veg in that and I think that that was yeah. one that came up to me a while ago and I thought that was actually really interesting one um, and a good way of getting rid of a lot of a lot of cardboard boxes well mm-hmm. Moonacres bring all our stuff in just a couple of big plastic crates and we take yeah, it out yeah, pack yeah. it and they take the crates back yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. even giving the suppliers their stuff back like yeah, like yeah. all our suppliers as well like they, they keep hold of their boxes so like yeah. Harry brings us all his stuff in these very well worn polystyrene boxes but he takes them straight back and yep. we'll get, you know, get the stuff in the next yep. week. So they're basically just transporters and they'll get thrown out. So and if you ask, like chefs out there, if you ask your fruit and veg supplier, uh, probably, is probably the bulk one, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But they usually, in my experience, will just take take them back. Yeah, take, yeah. Take the boxes yeah. or styros back yeah. to reuse back. them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some, um, there's, some, there's some good changes going on at you know, all levels, um, from, from the kitchen to the, to the bar from the front. Um, just sort of going to make a difference, I think. Yeah. It's good to see how mm-hmm. like, Gorman is actually really really on it everyone's quite conscious of that yeah plastic free Wollongong is a group of um, yeah a, a, a group that that are definitely bringing it to the forefront and mm. uh, sort of rewarding venues with publicity and stuff and that's a part of the uh, responsible cafes responsible cafes organisation as well sort of rewarding venues and providing them a solid platform that's kind of like they're vetted for their uh, conscientiousness so uh, you know, if you if you to, in order to get on the responsible cafes website, you have to offer a discount to people who bring a keg cup to your venue. Yeah, right. Which is but, a good like thing. Nearly everyone that I know that owns a cafe does that. 
Yeah. Like, I, I can't really name any. Yeah, like, that's a lot yeah, of point. But don't. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think like when it comes to that one, and coffee cups are a huge issue because yeah. mm. uh, the vast majority of disposable coffee cups that are used are not recyclable. The lids are yeah. uh, a lot of the time. But if, and, if you have a coffee every morning, like you're going to save money by having a heat cup if, if your definitely cafe is offering ten, in ten cents off. If you yeah. have two coffees, like, something above two coffees a day. Well, yeah, I know, I know Tom Cimento is about six or seven. <laughs> it's just in the morning, so. Um, Ray's doing Ray's doing a couple of things down there actually. He's paper straws and he's going straw free, but he's also going to implement all the different composting of the coffee grounds. Yeah, and, yeah. And all that. I was chatting to him yesterday, um, so he's pretty conscious of it. Mm. That son of a gun there. Uh, another, yeah, another 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 place that I'll just give a shout out to that that's that does a really good job is Earthwalker up in Coldale. Mm. Uh, for a long time, like almost since the initiation of that business last year, they have had a, a really, really rigorous rubbish uh, and sort of like food waste and, and compost separation system uh, that, you know, they're very conscious of. Uh, Composting is an interesting one because food scraps obviously produce a lot of carbon when they go to landfill. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a quick chat about this last night, Simon. Like, obviously, restaurants produce a lot of food scraps. Yeah. Uh, where like where do you guys fit in with the sort of with the idea of composting? So like we say quite a lot of coffee grounds and they go, they go to, to Harry. We, we have had we, and we're still trying to find someone who wants to take the food scraps for feed, which we were trying to do with our those egg supply for their chickens, but the kind of the, the amount of times they didn't have time to actually pick pick the stuff mm-hmm. up and we ended up with just food out the back, sitting in a bin, making the smell. Um, team quite works. So we're, we're working on with some couple of people to try and use up use the food scraps, whether it's composting or for feed or whatever it is. But there's, sure. It's, sure. you've got to have people willing to do the other side of it. Like, exactly. like we, we can, yeah, we can make sure every, all the food gets scraped into one certain bin. But it's trying to find people then who can do something with it. Yep. Um, and I mean, we're, we're pretty low numbers venue, so especially this time of year. So, so we don't produce masses amount of waste. Um, but I imagine larger, big scale venues would, would produce huge amounts. Yeah. And trying to find someone to take that off your hands would be well, I imagine pretty hard. Well, there is that. I mean, we used to do it at Diggies. Um, Stan and has implemented the the green bins, and they've got the green bags that I think the bags are completely biodegradable, mm-hmm. and you put all your food scraps into that, and yes. uh, they like a separate waste disposal company comes and picks it up. Yeah, right. Um, it is an extra cost. Yeah, that is an extra cost to the business. That one you have to get certain certain bins, and the bags are um, more expensive, etc. So that that's basically take that one upon yourself as yep. an owner. Yeah, um, I mean, it would be great if there was some sort of government incentive to. Well, yeah, so, well, at GMU, you have a food scraps bin. Like you have a rec- you have a normal bin, recycling bin, and a food scraps bin, and, okay. like, and, and they have to all go out in, in separate separate bags then yep. for the pickup and the loading. Yeah, so I'm surprised they actually they don't do it. Mm. Okay, well, uh, another person that I talked to about this issue was Emma from it's now Miller's local bakehouse, but was Sandy Goodwich, and they also have Eat at Sandy's in Bulleye. They won an award for their sort of environmental. Uh, strategies and yeah I have kind of been been how do I word this have been have been sort of a part of the movement from 
you know, quite a while ago before yeah. it became well, a really important on social media. Composter a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right? So anyway, look, let's listen to Emma. Let her tell us about what what they were doing, and then we can chat about that. Maybe maybe let's start with why you thought as a business owner it was important. Well, we thought it was important because uh, it was what we personally felt strongly about, mm-hmm. and I think in some ways the reason that we were kind of welcomed or I don't know sort of um, patronised in the way that we were was because we were we, we were pretty genuine and we wore our hat on our sleeves and um, we uh, we personally felt strongly about it. Okay. Um, and um, just about being, you know, ethical in everything that we did when it came to um, the environment, and it kind of in a holistic sense. So it started off as being uh, ethical about where we sourced our meats and things from, and in doing that, it they're all tied in together. Mm-hmm. If if you sort of know what I mean, so Definitely. kind of if you're um, if you're going to be um, respectful of where your meat's coming from, then you want to use every part of it, which means then you want to be reducing waste, which means then it's, and then that ties in from there. Okay. Started like I said with um, sustainably sourced, uh, ethically produced products, whether it be um, meat, eggs, uh, vegetables, whatever it is, and then uh, obviously trying to source locally, which means less food miles. Mm-hmm. The way in which we disposed of our waste, if there was any, so we we got a um, a closed loop organic composting machine. Mm-hmm. So all our organic waste would go into that, and you know, overnight it was turned into uh, a soil conditioner. And then we sort of took it one step further and offered it for people to take home for a gold coin donation. And then we donated that money to a local institution. So we chose um, Wollongong University Sustainable Development's Building Research Centre, and they were working on um, the Desert Rose Project, which is where you build a uh, a sustainable uh, standalone um, building, basically, that mm-hmm. you could d- produce and work from within itself, if you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, no single-use packaging. Um, um, it was just, it was, I don't know, every sort of everything that came through the door, you just had to be thought, thoughtful about. Mm. And everything that went out the door, we tried to be thoughtful um, in, in where it came from, where it was going. Um, and just, I suppose, through your product, you ho- can hopefully raise awareness or maybe start a conversation. Um, so uh, quite a few years ago when we used to do our communal dinners, we used to do vegetarian communal dinners um, and try and you know, push the idea of, of you know, vegetables as, as a meal themselves, not just as a side. Yep. Um, yeah, so I suppose uh, it can be part of your business in every sense, not mm-hmm. just at the moment. It seems to be that the big thing is um, uh, coffee cups and straws, mm-hmm. and that seems to be what you can build um, a um, an environmental business around. But I think it needs to be something holistic. Your whole approach. Mm. Do you, did you find that with your approach, the awareness about your practices led you to have a more loyal? engaged and a wider customer base like you think that you were a busier cafe as a result of you know people being aware that you were this environmentally conscious i don't know yeah i'm not sure um i've 
I, we've asked ourselves that question. Um, I think everyone likes to think of themselves that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that six years ago it was a, it was a bit different. Um, and we possibly did attract people who, you know, had a bit more of an ethical uh, bent towards how they wanted to spend their money. But more and more, I think it occurs to me that um, it's not, you know, it shouldn't just be a selling point. It should be part of what everyone does every day. Mm. Um, I don't know that people approach it in that way. Um, but also that sometimes people just want to switch off and buy a sandwich because it's fun. Mm. I don't want to have it rammed down my throat that um, it's um, that it's making a choice for the world and the good of your, and the good of your grandchildren. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes it's just all a bit too serious. Yes. Um, and sometimes I think people just want to switch off. They want to go somewhere where um, it you know it looks pretty on the plate and um, it's got a heap of Instagram followers and that you're in with the in crowd. I don't necessarily want to make a heavy choice for my lunch. Mm. So I can't answer that. Yep. Um, I'd like to think that it does garner you more, a larger clientele, but I, <laughs> I don't know that it does. Okay. Um, we'll go, I, I want to go back to the uh, soil conditioner that you were making and the recycling of organic waste. These extra steps that business owners have the ability to take to be more environmentally conscious or use ethically produced produce and, and different things in, in their cafes or restaurants, they all yeah. amount to an expenditure of resources and a lot of the time money and, and, and time. So yeah. sort of how do, you, how do you see that balance? Like obviously you guys separating all your organic waste, taking it away for it to be in a closed loop um, you know, composting system and then bringing it back to the cafe to be redistributed is an exertion yeah. of your time and resources. How do you see making these sorts of decisions and putting the effort in as sort of pertaining to the viability of a yeah. business that in, that exists in an already very sort of fragile oh, industry? Yeah. Competitive cutthroat industry. Exactly. Uh, well, when we did the closed loop composter, we um, we decided we would go about trying to install it on site and we had to get it through council and we had to get it through strata and it was not easy. Then we had to pay uh, for it to be transported, installed. Then we had the ongoing um, electric electric costs to run it, mm-hmm. um, etc., etc. So yeah, I can see where you're going with this, and I absolutely agree. We decided that it was worth it for two reasons: first, because it seemed ethically the right thing to do, and secondly, because we thought that it would attract custom because of you know people wanting to support an ethically, environmentally responsible, blah 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 business. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure that it did do what it was that we set out to do, which was to increase business. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know, it's, it's as cynical as that, but it's true. Yep. You're trying to run a business after all, and we were trying to do it in such a way that we could make it off being environmentally responsible. It did, it, we got it, we were awarded an environmental award from the council that year yep. as a result, and that may well have increased our custom for a little while. I don't know. And it was a whole, you know, it was a holistic award looking at what we did for the community, what we did for the environment, how we were sustainable, etc. Um, 
and I got a warm and fuzzy for at least one night when it was awarded. <laughs> uh, but after that, it was expensive to run. We got left with all this organic waste, which we then we ended up donating it to community gardens and the Green Connect and all the rest. And that was great. Yeah. But you're right. It was stressful. It was an ongoing extra responsibility. Um, and there's not, I don't think, enough encouragement from council and other government bodies to to get other people to do it so when you look at places like um yost backer tried to do the same sort of thing and he was shut down yeah it's there's not enough support and i think you could even look at things like subsidies for businesses that choose to do that that sort of thing yeah um and that that would encourage more of that because in terms of uh, thinking that that sort of behaviour will encourage custom and um, increase your turnover, it's a it, it's a load of compost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen. People yeah. don't uh, don't vote their feet on that. Not mm. in any way that's discernible. Interesting thoughts from Emma, guys. I'll let you guys respond to that. As always, Emma being very honest and, and real about about the, um, the the pitfalls of it. Um, I, I think that really yeah, shows like you can there's only so much small businesses can do um, without becoming a sort of financial burden um, and yeah I mean, obviously they, they as ever have, have really tried to push it and make it their whole philosophy um, which is amazing and, you know, to, to sort of have that commitment to it um, but yeah definitely what she's saying is, is it, it's, it's almost no way of telling if it can have a positive uh, financial outcome and at the end of the day you've got to, got to be able to stay open and you've got to be able to you know, live so I think and that's the issue I said with, without any sort of government assistance or some kind of um, reward for doing it it's going to make it hard for small businesses to, to go that extra step and that extra mile there's little things we can do where it, it's, it's good practice and it's kind of saving us money things like you know, keeping your lights off when you don't need them on or not running your Aircon, we don't need it on, or using up your food scraps, or, or whatever it is. But um, to take that kind of next step to really kind of make some change, it's going to probably have to have some some kind of government scheme involved. Mm-hmm. If you, if you want um, everyone, if you want the majority doing it, yeah, there needs to be. As I said before, like there's three tiers to it, isn't it? There's the government, there's yeah. the, the responsibility of the restaurant or cafe, bar, whatever it is, and, and the consumer. Yeah. Yep. I think um, the consumer base who would, or well, we have people in Bollywood, in for example, who would go somewhere because they have environmental consciousness to their business is, is still quite small. And the people who don't really give a fuck or wouldn't, wouldn't actually make them go somewhere else for their coffee or for their sandwich or whatever is pretty much larger. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't see how in just the immediate future it could ever make a big difference to your business. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an issue. It's just it's up to the up to the owner if you want to make the choice to um, cop some cost mm. to do these things. Mm-hmm. When I say it's up to the owner, it's also it's also up to, you know, whether or not you can Financially, do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, in some places, quite times a year or whatever, you just yeah. you just can't do it. There's, this there's, there's like this limit to some ice, especially coffee. Like everyone's scared to go above the five dollar coffee limit. Like, and, and it hasn't really changed in sort of four or five years either. Um, where like if you're paying for these like different packaging or or whatever it is, if you're you know you're spending time keeping your coffee grounds, there's extra cost to this, but the cost of the coffee hasn't gone up. And 
if you put all these things into practice and you start charging six bucks for a coffee, is that going to you know average out? Are you going to get more people coming because because they see what you're doing, but are they willing to spend six dollars? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is exactly something that I also talked to Jack from uh, Jack, the policy advisor from the Greens, about. So. We'll, we'll quickly pause and listen to what Jack has to say as well because he's got some interesting thoughts and we'll come back and we'll continue talking about this one. I think there's two things. Um, firstly, the expectation that this be led by individual businesses is to some extent unreasonable. Um, there's, as I said, a big opportunity for businesses to uh, to you know showcase themselves in terms of that change and make it a marketing point. Um, but the, um, the 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 idea that, that businesses alone and individual business change is going to be is going to drive the change that we need, um, just it, it's not going to work. What we actually need here is um, government engaging with the business community, engaging with small businesses, um, and in, engaging on a kind of broader social shift around the way that we process waste so that no one business or no um, few businesses are taking the full brunt of making that change ahead of everyone else. Um, so, but, and, and I guess what I'd be saying to businesses is make the changes that they can uh, to the extent that they can, but also they should be in their local business changer, chamber. They should be in their um, local council and they should be talking to government about forcing this social and um, broader shift in the way that society treats waste so that they don't have to take all of that risk on themselves um, and, you know, so it gets spread to all businesses. But the reason that they should be doing that is it's coming anyway. It's either going to be a case that these sorts of things get regulated out of existence and there's a huge amount of auditing and red tape involved in that process for businesses or it's going to be the case that consumers force businesses to change um, which both those things we're increasingly seeing so businesses as a, as a whole need to get out in front of that and say and you know go to their local council and say you know we want to be um we want to minimize waste from you know businesses across the whole region not just from me and my individual business um, and we want you as a council and we want you as a business chamber and we want you as a state and uh, as a state government to help us lead that process so I think that's that's one one side is that um, it, it can't just be about um, individual businesses making that change and taking all of the cost um, but I think the other side to it is businesses, need to uh, increasingly be prepared to educate consumers about the true value of what they're buying. The, mm. the expectation that gets built up in consumers that it's okay to waste, to buy things in a huge amount of packaging and uh, not to care about the provenance of what they buy actually does a disservice to the businesses themselves because it, it doesn't allow them then to tell consumers the story of the product that they've that they that they're selling but also doesn't allow them um, to pass on the costs that are in, associated with being um, more environmentally sustainable and, and using less waste so mm-hmm. there needs to be 
an education campaign for consumers to teach them about that true value um, of what they're purchasing and 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 the importance of making um, decisions which reduce the amount of waste. So I guess there, there's there's a lot businesses can do. There's a lot they can showcase. There's also a lot governments um, need to do at all levels and business chambers and and. Um, there's also education of consumers, which needs to go on to allow this change to happen. Disruption isn't just about the internet or startups um, coming in and completely changing the way that you know products get delivered. Disruption is also about the expectations that consumers have for what they buy, and that is happening. Like whether businesses like it or not, there is a big disruption going on in our society. Um, which is consumers waking up to the fact that there are serious impacts for the amount of packaging um, and plastic and processing that has to go on with our food. Um, and that is changing consumer expectations and changing what people are prepared to buy. You know, and that, that is disruption. So Jack brought some interesting points up there again. Um, he kind of just reinforced some of the things that we've been talking about. But I think that one thing that's important, and I think especially getting the perspective of a someone who works in in government is access to local government is readily available and i think that maybe we forget that sometimes and especially business owners people who you know lead movements and things like that also individuals but it is it is it's a lot like a lot of it, what we're talking about um, and a lot of where we can maybe find some sort of middle ground or solution is about being proactive when it comes to engagement with government. Yeah, I think that's something that um, almost as you, do, you kind of don't even consider it, you sort of complain about government don't do this, don't, won't do that, need to do this, and then you don't actually go forward and, and get in touch or contact yeah. them. Um, I guess there's this kind of there's a fault of, of owners and people in hospitality, but maybe a slight fault of government as well. Blame the government again for, for, for like them not being as accessible as, as they might be, or, or not not engaging as much. Because um, you know, we're pretty fucking busy. Mm. <laughs> like, and exactly. It's also it's also very hard. I find, or you know, if we try and call council, it's, it's hard to find the right person to talk to about anything. To yeah. be honest, yeah. Um, and we're very, we are very busy, and we're on limited time. Yeah. To it's hard to find the right person, and you can it can take a lot of time and sometimes more time arc than necessary. I think mm. to get to the right person to find the answer that you're looking for to mm-hmm. a question. Yeah, so that sort of comes into it as well. I think. Yeah, I think it's something that the hospitality could do better, and we sort of discussed that with ourselves before of, of banding together a bit more and, and having a sort of more unified front and having that kind of strength in numbers to try and implement change in different areas. Um, and, and things like this definitely could be could be one way that that could be effective. It's a pretty good example. Yeah. Because if there was if there was that initial sort of well, yeah, contact we, made and you got, got through that talking yeah. to a few different people and well, then you if, probably would have the right person. Yeah. If you had a, a letter that was signed by you know, thirty local hospitality businesses, I'm sure that would carry some weight. Do you think that, say, for example, you know there was some allocation of government resources into a program of auditing businesses for their environmental practices and you had say a five-star system based on you know use of plastics uh you know 
where food waste goes, energy consumption, and, and the range of other different metrics. If you could implement a system like that, like if the government could bring on board a system and businesses could be audited, do you, do you, do you think that then if you're a five-star business, there would be a consumer understanding that it costs you more to run your business as a five-star business and therefore they will understand that your cost, that the cost of your product might be a bit higher? Probably or something not. Like that. Yeah, I think no? like that... I, sounds, I, I sounds would like, like to... Ideally, I would like to think... I'd I, like to say yes. I think, if anything, that would highlight... Same with kind of, like, your, your health standards. Like, I don't, don't do it here as much, but in the UK, you have to and display um, your things at five, like one to five rating somewhere and, and but that doesn't mean the fives get more customers it just means that the fucking ones get less so yep. I, think, I think you'd end up with a tiered system where people would which was not necessarily a bad thing people would be more shamed at having a low rating than they'd be celebrated having a high rating um, I think it, it's a good idea but it's um, as soon as you get into a sort of rating system I think the negative outlook of people low one outweighs any benefit you get from having a higher one and especially when it came to cost I don't think people would go, uh, I, that therefore they can charge more. I yeah, think it depends right. where you are as well. Like for us, we like people pay a lot more to come here than they do to go and grab a coffee. Yeah. So we have enough trouble getting people to understand the cost of our produce, let alone adding more cost to yeah, that for yeah, us oh, to be exactly. more environment yeah. friendly. That's why my answer is straight away kind of no for here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe, in a ca- maybe in a cafe. I think cafes, like um, we've been chatting about straws and coffee cups. Yeah. Uh, are probably the main ones and people know where the majority of those come from and that's usually a coffee cups come from a cafe so I think there is a little bit more understanding going on as far as if, if cafes raise their prices a little bit and said this is what we're doing while we're charging you 10 cents or 15 cents more for a coffee I think there will be more understanding in that setting because they're paying 365 instead of 350 yeah not 80, 88 instead of yeah, 80 yeah, yeah. Like, Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just an idea that I thought of off the top of my head. But um, good idea. yeah, I mean, like, I mean, there's got to be ways. Is a good idea. Yeah, there's just kind of I, I think, and and it, and it and it's a subject that uh, has sort of crossed crossed a few of the podcasts that we've done. Is is just that consumer awareness of the practices that go on behind the scenes yeah. and how there's a lack of education among the public of what the true value, and as Jack mentioned it as well, what the true value of the product that they have is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that it's still kind of like, I think um, people want to be socially and environmentally aware, but they also you know, have, have their own limited budget of the way they can spend their money. I think like, you know, say, say if, if you, I mean, if you probably if you really priced a coffee with everything that goes into it, like you should probably charge it like six, seven bucks. You know, if you put all these environmental practices into play, imagine if you were selling you you a perfectly closed loop cup of coffee, mm. but it costs ten bucks. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a sustainable business. Yep. Um, and that, that's the sort of harsh reality of it. It's a tough one. I think it's it's small steps, and once again, it's you know, like then, I feel like. There's a lot of talk about the government and the businesses and the businesses copying costs and the government doing this and that, but there's got to be some responsibility placed on the consumer for this shit too. Yeah. Like as a business owner and I'm a consumer as well, there needs to be some responsibility placed upon that and it can't always be, oh, but it's up to the business to educate people 
I've got enough shit to do. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, and it's funny because, like, I, I guess at all levels as well, and especially with the consumer, it's about the small choices. Yeah. It's about remembering to take your keep cup. Like, I gave the example to you guys before about uh, about how I, my, I keep my keep cup in my car generally, and if I've left my car to go to a cafe or something and for some reason I've forgotten my keep cup and I've realised that I'm going to get a takeaway... It, de- it kind of depends on how far away from my car I am <laughs> yeah. at the time is so if, if I'm willing yeah. to go back. So like, true, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, can I be bothered spending the 15 minutes it might yeah. take, you know, you know, back to my car and back just yeah. to get my keep cup? And it's like one of those, it's just one of those sort of borderline moral decisions that you're going to yeah. get like, fuck, I've got to go back to my fucking car, my fucking keep cup, I can't, like, I, I, or else I can't be real, you know what I mean? Like... And so it's about, yeah, it's about the public as yeah. well, like consumers well, is making those small choices. I think the amount of keep cups sold is for a disproportion of the amount of people who actually use the keep cup. Yeah. Imagine a lot of people have bought one. Imagine like, it almost be like, like with the bags at Coles, like still have not remembered to take any bags. So I've had to buy one every time. Yeah. So I'm getting quite a stack now. But I probably like people who buy a keep cup every time. Yeah. <laughs> get a coffee. Yeah. I, I, fucking expensive. Yeah, practice yeah. that single use keep cup. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it takes them, like that little habit building, and and that, as it becomes more sort of normalised, I guess kind of it's the things you just remember to do more. But yeah. it, it is pretty cool that those small things, when it comes to coffee cups, straws, it, it is becoming normal practice. It and is. People people aren't copying it. For example, for saying like from what I saw, the wolf just kind of posted, "Hey, we're not using straws anymore. Deal with it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Fucking power to them. I mean, they use a lot more straws than what you or I yeah. do at a restaurant like this. I just think it's good that there's no people saying there's no backlash. It's just it's mm. a good time when um, people are just accepting it because I think, like as I mentioned before, they're going to cop it off twenty people if they have something to say about it, and that, that's how it needs to be. But it's something as small as that that they can say, okay, we're not buying straws anymore, and the consumer can say, no worries, I'll just drink it out of the glass, like. Really, how hard is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. sorry. The, the little things that businesses can do, they're the, the ones that kind of add up. And ones that don't add any cost, they don't really kind of take away cost, you know, buying straws, mm. then that's exactly. one less thing you're paying for. They're the, the viable, sustainable things that businesses can do without jeopardizing you know, your, your, your bottom line. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, and we're talking about how all the different, these different facets, business, government, and consumers can all be proactive. Uh, if you go to a venue that uses, you know, single-use plastic straws and you really don't need one, and yeah. they go to put one in there, go, no, 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 don't, I don't oh, need yeah. a straw. Yeah. And, and, and it's that, like, even though it sounds like such a small thing that you're saving one straw in that moment, you're also implanting the idea that the customer no longer wants no, no, no longer wants or needs these products to the person who's serving it to you, and that might be the owner or the manager or something like that. So, uh, yeah, as uh, like we were talking about before, that you know, going back to the car to get the keep cup, it's those little sorts of choices. When it comes to the consumer, it's all about the small choices a lot of the time. I mean, you can go and approach local government and you can start your own not-for-profit. You can do these big things, but you also have every day and, you know, at all times we all have opportunities to be more environmentally conscious so and it doesn't cost you anything necessarily yeah yeah cool. you know another example like of that is like, say I, I go to a chemist warehouse and grab some panadol or something in this tiny little box and they just automatically 
go to put everything in a bag at that place. Yeah, and yeah. it's a lot of places are the same. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need a bag. I have a pocket mm. or yeah, a yeah. hand. Yeah. I'm walking across the road. Mm. Like, ask if I want a bag. Is probably that's another good one as well. Yeah. Just, do you want a bag? Like that doesn't take much, has it? Yeah. And that doesn't like doesn't cost anyone anything. It's just awareness and you know, those little changes help big time. Mm. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right, we'll I'll, we'll move on to like. One of the last few things that we'll talk about, obviously this is a big and broad topic and none of us are experts, but you know we can, we can just comment on what we see and you guys are obviously business owners, so you can give us your perspective. But uh, you know, we've talked a bit about, Andy, what you've done with uh, Two Smoking Barrels Food Truck and the differences between you know, the cafe that you used to own, the restaurant and uh, the food truck, and, and now Two Smoking Barrels, which is a different one as well. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of your businesses, both restaurants. Um, and I want to just ask some of you guys about, I want to ask some things to you guys that, that sort of specifically pertain to restaurants when it comes to environmental strategies and how you guys go about it. So I guess the first thing that I wanted to ask either of you is, you know, in, in thinking about these things in the movement that's occurring now and in the... Uh, you know, in, in preparing for this podcast, is there any is there any areas that you've thought there's room for improvement in your businesses, and what kind of uh, what kind of things like have you have have you got in mind? You know, to to be proactive and make some changes going forward. Um, well, I guess for two smoking barrels is a bit of a toughie for us because we have we use a, a couple of little uh, disposable. Uh, Plastics for some of our sauces on our barbecue plates. Yep. All everything else is good down there, but the, the biggest problem down there is if we don't have any room in the kitchen for a large dishwasher to be able to, to be washing things constantly, um, like in, in volume. So we have to use something disposable. It's something, and we thought about it when we opened, and we said we don't really want to do this, but at the same time, we we physically can't. We have nowhere to put. The dishes in the kitchen because it's so small and nowhere to install a pass-through dishwasher so we have a little underbench one so we use baskets for all the uh, burgers etc and like the macca's style plastic trays and that's about all we can like with the number of people we're doing fit through the dishwasher that's definitely somewhere we could improve down there um but I don't really know at this point what we can do about it. As I said, it was something we thought you can get a you. I, I like one you know suggestion that I've seen is you can get bamboo alternatives to plastic when it comes to those little sauce containers yeah. because I've seen it in canapes after working in um, catering. Yeah, I just so uh, that could be one of the things. Yeah, I think they're more the, more the boat style ones. Yeah, I mean, that's what we use for our like for our functions and whatnot. But I don't know if you can get super small ones that. I'll have a look. Have a look. Yeah. At least that's, but that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Is like you know, just obviously, that's where you find the balance between the allocation of resources because it's mm. now going to take your time to go back and look at other alternatives you have for putting sauce into. Uh, and they're probably going to be customers. more expensive, and they're probably going to be more expensive. Yeah. But again, it's 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 those sorts of decisions that allow everything to move forward. And as Jack said, it's coming. Like we are. We're in a place now where other countries in the world are making commitments to being single-use plastic-free yeah. across the board. Yeah. So whether it's that, whether that's straws or plastic bags or little source containers, 
it's coming to, for Australia. Like we and, and as he said, we can't afford to be producing the same amount of waste. So at one point or another, whether it's through government legislation, your own conscious conscience, or through consumer expectation, changes will continue to be made. Simon, anything that you think you've got room for improvement for? Um, straws is the one that we've been talking about, um, and we're going to make a change in the near future um, to an alternative um, recyclable straw of some kind. And, and basically, we've, we've already gone down the road of we already give straws if someone really wants them. Yep. We have one cocktail which has a little finger lime in it, and you can't eat the straw to get to drink the cocktail. Like, so that's kind of one we'll have to get an alternate for. Um, I think, like from the kitchen side, we, we, we're pretty good in the sense that we use like the whole animal. We use um, which kind of another side of the sustainability. It's not something we've thing. talked a lot about. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the way you rather than you know, just using breast from a chicken, using the whole chicken. We'll get chickens as whole. We'll use different parts, different things. We'll, we'll try and get the offal as well if that's available. Um, so using up the whole animal um, and, and not having too much waste. Um, our food waste is quite low. But we can obviously be better at what waste we do have and working out ways we can give that to someone to do something weird or compost it or use it as feed. So that's something we're going to continuously working on. That's, that's something we could definitely yeah. work on and would like to get involved in here. Yeah, so, so it, yeah. It kind of, it, I think it could even be something across a few venues. I know there's a guy who started coming around. We just found him because he was going to Vigo's uh, and sorting through or taking all their beer bottles and he, he takes them down to the 10 cent collection. Yeah. So we sort of grabbed them, we're like, we don't have many, but you can come and grab our beer bottles. Um, so then we know they get, get recycled. Because a lot of time, like, you put stuff in your recycling bin, then you don't really know what happens to it. Like, like what gets recycled, what do they, what can't they recycle, like, what, what can they do, like, this is, this, that's not clean, like, something. So you don't kind of know what actually goes on if you do recycle something. And that, that's yeah. something we sort of tried to look into a bit more and where our stuff goes, what companies we use, is there a better way of us getting rid of things? Yeah, um, I think the nose to tail one's interesting. Uh, there's obviously, when you look at sort of the higher level venues in, in Australia, you see this use of less familiar cuts, maybe a bit of offal on menus, yeah. uh, interesting techniques in preparation. A really good example is what Josh Nyland does at St. Peter in terms of using whole fish and some of the Instagram posts that he's been doing about how much a fish weighs, how much of that fish is the fillet, yeah. in terms of weight and he does an analysis of it as sort of you know per kilogram cost to him of, of fillet but then assesses how much of the rest of the fish is used yeah. and what that translates into in terms of cost and how much waste that would usually be so he that's fantastic because he's kind of obviously just taken that on board himself because he's interested in the study of yeah. um you know what, what what the possibilities are when it comes to seafood, and that's that's a fantastic one. Uh, but I think that when we talk about nose to tail a little bit as well, there might be I think there might be a little bit of onus on the consumer to Definitely. support it because every like I was talking to a chef the other day was saying that he that he put tripe on his menu and. Yeah, Exactly, as you say, that's the food. Like your eyebrows just shot to the yeah. roof when I said he put tripe on his yeah. menu, because that's the thing that no one fucking wants to eat or whatever. But he said that he had to sort of weave it into a mushroom-heavy dish that people like love mushrooms and could get around because it sounds really good. And you just add tripe as like a little thing on the end. Yeah. And everyone who ate it absolutely loved it. But uh, when it comes to the consumer, it's like sort of 
make the choice to eat something that's a bit less familiar and, yeah, and, and, and more sustainable. Not you don't always need to be eating eye eye fillet or mm. or a fish fillet. You know, we're seeing things like wings and collars and and heads even when it comes to fish yeah. being used a lot more. So. The one thing I always find funny is that like is that some like we have some slightly different cuts, um, some slightly different animals. We've got an EU fan fillet at the moment, and it's not it's not as soft as a fillet. So you do actually have to chew, um, but it's not like it's tough in any way. But you definitely get the reaction of oh, it's a bit chewy, and I don't see why that's a bad thing. Texture, like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't like. Yeah. But that's kind of become a a, a very very negative thing. I like, always oh, a bit chewy, or I, I, you know, whatever it was. So I think that's still a slightly strange way of thinking. Like, like you get so much more flavour from these cuts, and you may have to use your jaw muscles mm. yeah. a little bit more to eat them. Um, so little things again, little changes of perception. Um, Offal is still still a hard sell in Australia. Um, yeah, you know, I think whoever 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 changed like liver or, or pate into parfait yeah. is a genius marketing. Like, there's bloody French, eh? Yeah, oh. genius. Call it a parfait. Yeah. And, and it, it, people think it sounds like a dessert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you're actually eating <laughs> liver. Well, yeah, good for them. Um, but I mean, it, yeah, like it, people are getting better. We had a we had a um, goose liver mousse song. That's a little snack, and we, we thought that might freak some people out. We didn't. We've got you know, things like green ants and things like that, which yeah. is, I think that's, that's another conversation is, is different meat sources and different protein sources mm-hmm. that we should be using. Things like insects, um, you know, kangaroo, wallaby. People still get freaked out by that. I think beef is like, probably the prime example of the consumer, like just wanting like sirloin, scotch fillet, yeah. eye fillet, yeah. T bone. Like there is, like, wow, the, the different cuts that we've had the opportunity to use here in in the time we've been open. Um, I deliberately steer away from familiar cuts because you know we want people to come here and try something different. Mm. But things like you know, like you just said about a bit of texture being left. We deliberately leave like the rib blade. We bath it for twenty four hours, but it could take a bit longer if you wanted to be a, a slightly more tender. But like we leave a little bit of texture there because like I really enjoy it. Mm. But there's a responsibility, I think. Um, that's another one that won't necessarily cost you any more as a restaurant yeah. to use those different beef cuts. I, well, because it's, I'm, I'm but... using beef as an example because it's very commonly used and people seem to only want yeah. four or five things out of it when they go to the local butcher. Yeah, exactly. My mum, on the weekend, I took some tri-tips up to um, uh, Mudgy because I just thought, like, my dad loves, loves beef and he's probably never tried it. And mum said to me, like, how can I get this? I said, like, but, uh, I said, oh, you prob- probably can't, like in yeah. a mudgy butcher. And she said, well, why not? And I kind of went into it with her and she was pretty interested. Um, but she said, like, it's, it's delicious. Like, I, yeah. I'd buy that. Like, And I said, well, yeah, you know, maybe people wouldn't buy it if they put it in. And she said, she yeah. said, well, I've never been offered it yeah. at the butcher. Well, yeah, they yeah. haven't yeah. told me about tri-tips. Like, you probably have to request it. You'd probably have to be like... Next time, well, you would. You if you're breaking down the whole body, some like, yeah, a lot of them, but that's a, a lot that's of about developing a developing a relationship with a butcher, which is a part of like that's that you see that less and less nowadays because of the economy of convenience when it comes yeah. to big supermarkets. Yeah, like it's it's a sort of a self perpetuating thing that people want eye fillet and scotch fillet and whatever because that's what they keep seeing on the shelves and that's what's easy to cook and they don't have to go through any process of education. They don't have to develop a relationship with their local butcher. Um, but the opportunity is out there to do it and it's about educating the public that that opportunity exists. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
a couple of other things. One thing that we haven't really talked about at all is food miles, uh, and that's obviously a big one as well. You both source sort of as locally as possible for certain things. Um, how much of lo- sourcing locally is an environmental choice for you guys? Like, sorry, I'm going to rephrase this. Sourcing locally has its benefits across a number of different areas, whether it be injecting money into the local economy, developing relationships with people in your community, uh, freshness, and then also environment. Out of those things and whatever other benefits there are to sourcing locally, how much does the environmental aspect of sourcing locally sort of come into your decision-making as chefs? Probably it's it's probably lower down on my scale, but mainly because this idea of locality being better for the environment is quite a flawed idea. Yeah. So certain things, yes, can be better, but it depends on the farmer, the farm, the soil. There's no reason that a certain crop grows better here than it would up in the Blue Mountains. Yeah. And also the farmer down here might have worse practices. He might be using, using, using more water, using more fertilizer. So there's a lot of other things just than other... Than I guess the food miles, miles tra- yeah. Miles yeah. travelled is, is one thing, but there's so many other, other things. Like we, we get, um, like our salmon, we always get from New Zealand because their standards of practice from where we get it are a lot higher than anyone's in Australia. Yes, travel further, but the overall balance of it from the company we use has, has positive effects. Yep. So we, look, we, we have to look at it from all angles. Like the reason we get local all the time is... Is the freshness of it, which does come down to travelling. Um, the local economy was a, was a big one for me, I think. Um, and then building those relationships. And as, as a restaurant, we want to represent the region that we're very proud yeah. of. So the environmental factor, I think, is a flawed one. And, and just, just having something moved further doesn't necessarily mean that that's worse. Yeah. There's a lot of other things coming into it. So I think it's, it's a very simplistic view just to be like, that came from 10 more miles, therefore it's 10 more miles worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that, that issue is quite a big one and one that's misunderstood. I think that that, that that might be the case for a chef in a restaurant, but I think that if you go to a supermarket and you have the option of buying a, uh orange grown in New South Wales or an orange grown in Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a there's, a, there's a big difference. And that's another thing when it yeah. comes to consumer decision-making. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, also, it's almost a case-by-case thing. Um, different countries have different standards of practice as well. Mm. If you go to New Zealand to Australia, there's, there's different standards of practice with, with sort of animal husbandry. So, like, it's, in, yeah, in, it's, it's a, in a supermarket, good rule of thumb, I think, made as much for a quality thing. If something's from Australia, um, like, you know, strawberries are from Peru or asparagus yeah. from Peru, yeah. it's, it's not as good yeah. than the stuff from Australia because, it, it, you know, it's perishable. Yeah. Um, Andy, do you want to respond to that sort of question about where does where does environmental concern lie on the sort of continuum of making the choice to buy as local as possible? It's like basically very similar to what Simon said. It's more about we have relationships, especially here for me, with the people like growing the vegetables or making the wine or and it's more about the people behind it for us and what they do on their farm or vineyard or where you know like we've we've got all the information we need about our where our beef and our pork 
quails, whatever we get here at the restaurant, where that comes from, I can get that at the drop of the hat off, off my, my guy at Vic's Meats. So it's, for me, it's more about having that knowledge behind me to make sure those people are doing the right things and we're getting the right products and not getting something that from a farm that is definitely not doing the right things, whether it be an egg or whatever it is. Um, so I, I think about it more that way than are they, how far has, has it travelled, you mm-hmm. know? Um, that's, yeah. That's yeah, so there's a lot, when it comes to sort there's of, a bit yeah, more to it for a there's a lot, there's a lot of, than, there's a lot to it. local supermarket buying, mm-hmm. buying an orange, I think that's, that's two different kind of things. Yeah. Um, one more question, I guess, when it re- relates to this, and I don't know whether or not discerning is easier or harder when it comes to food, but uh, like Simon, I think that in a restaurant like yours, there's probably an expectation that you have some international wines on your list. Do you think? Do you have yeah. one, like what's your balance between domestic and international? Basically, I'm talking about beverages, and when it comes to beers and wines, yeah. obviously the food miles things, you know, big when it comes to these things. Does environmental concern factor at all into your decision making when it comes to putting together a beverage list? Yeah, I think we, we before we, we bought Caveau it was, it was a bit more of a spread um, for sort of 40, like 60% um, Australian New Zealand wines, the rest French we've sort of, we, we've been in an about whether to go all Australian or, or what to kind of do the list um, Australian would kind of fit our food ethos but we still are a Restaurant with a French name, even though we're not a French restaurant anymore. So there is an expectation to have um, some international wine. So it's definitely smaller. It's, it's probably only 10, 15% international wines. We're going to sort of build that a bit more. But um, we, we, overall philosophy, we start as close to the restaurant and then build out. And that's kind of the way we lift the food is. Like most of our food is, is from the local area, but then in different cases and different ingredients we'll get them from further out or if something special that's made in South Australia that we can't get in New South Wales we'll, we'll have that on and the same with the wine we'll, we'll start with New South Wales which is where the bulk of our wines come from it's like 35% of the wines are New South Wales now um, and then we'll the rest of Australia and then our last tip is reaching out to, to France and in the future going to Italy and Spain and some, and some other bits yeah. Um, so yeah we, we want to have a we, we want to have a broad spectrum of, of wines and the same ingredients, but we look close to home first. Yes. And pick from there. I think that that's a really, really, you know, good and practical way to, to, to think about it. Yeah, because I, you don't like, you, I think it's not necessarily you're putting yourself in a box when, when you go, okay, we're going all Australian, but like, where is the line? Again, it's all these small decisions, but where is the line between having, having a wine list that, you, you kind of restrict yourself a little bit yeah. or having something that there's a lot of diversity there for the customer and and, 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 and that creates some yeah, excitement. I, I Andy, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, we, we are nearly all Australian. We'll yep. only get a select couple if there's something available that um, David might really want um, or that one of our suppliers have um, on, on one of the collab nights that we'll keep a bit of. Other than that, we're all Australian. And for us, again, it's mainly about like our, our connection with the producers. Um, it doesn't really come into it as far as how far it's travelled or anything like that. It's, for us, it's like, hey... And, you know, all our ones are minimal intervention, so we're, like, I think we're pretty good on the side of Enviro. Like, there are a lot of more organic farmers as well, yep. so we're, we're pretty good on that side of things uh, with the wine. But it's, it's about the people for us, the producers and, and what they're doing on their farms. And it's the people. 
It, it's, yeah, for all of it, for, for us, like with our, our suppliers and, and producers, it's 100%. And that, I mean, you know, if you know that people are doing the right thing, then it like kind of goes without saying that you're, I guess, as an extension, doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think that that, like, that sort of attitude as well, uh, when you've got a connection to, that close of a connection to the produce, that's a story that you want to pass on to the customer. And when they engage with that story, that boosts that consumer awareness and education that we're talking about as an important factor in the whole chain as well. So, you know, if it was just, you know, a massive veggie distributor and you just tick off what you want, you know, for that day and you don't give a shit where it's from or whatever, you're not going to translate that story to the customer and they're not going to learn anything. Yeah. And they're so, not going to enjoy it as much either. So exactly. it, work, it works for us when we've got a story yeah, exactly. on where things are coming from. It definitely works for us. Mm. Cool. Um... Finally, we just uh, I, like I mean we've obviously gone on for shitloads of time. Uh, we like I'll just I'll just point to a couple of organisations that people can look towards in order to uh, get some more information on these things. So in your area, if you're interested in which cafes are giving people discounts for uh, bringing keep, keep cups along, that's the Responsible Cafes uh, organisation. And you can see a map of who is in your area that partake in that system. Uh, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast now is because it's hashtag plastic free July. So right. it's, it's, so it's just dry July. Dry July as well. Yeah, it could be both. Not that you're participating. <laughs> well, dry July means that I'm not using re- reusable plastic cups at the pub. Yeah. You know, disposable plastic for the whole, cups. For the whole of July. Yeah, for the whole of July. But, uh, yeah. Like plastic free July basically set, sets like you can as an individual and it's, it's a bit late now, but as an individual, you can set yourself a challenge of being plastic free, which might mean you, you know, instead of going to the supermarket, you take a container to a local butcher um, or you refuse a plastic bag from a local butcher and it's just wrapped in paper or whatever it might be and do absolutely everything you can to make your July plastic free, which is a cool initiative and people can check that out online. Uh, for locals, Plastic Free Wollongong is a great organisation as well and overarching a lot of uh, what I've seen in New South Wales is the Boomerang Alliance where uh, people can get all sorts of information about some, of, some environmental concerns uh, as well as, you know, initiatives they can be a part of and actions they can take as consumers. Um, one thing that a friend of mine basically suggested is that if we wrap these sorts of conversations up with a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of things that people can actually do, a little bit of things that people can take home with them. So I was scribbling some things down as we wrote, as, as, as we went, and you guys can add to this list of some sort of little solutions or actions that people can take. Um, when it comes to actions that restaurants can take, I think that it's uh, restaurants, but also like, you know, venues and businesses. One of the things that I thought about was just this kind of, you never think that you're completely abreast of an issue. Like there's always new science coming out. There's always new alternatives coming out. The cost of certain uh, packaging and stuff like that might change. What will change constantly. Um, so it's it's sort of like a, it should be a constant process of sort of re-education and iteration and reassessment of your own practices as a business. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like um, like even with like packaging, there's going to be new, cheaper alternatives coming out. Just keeping keeping your eye on it, keeping abreast of it. Yep. Um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to restaurants as well, it's uh, it's also about sort of where possible passing on 
education to the consumer about what you guys are doing and also the value of the value of your product due to the environmental choices that you're making along the line. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, government proactivity. So. As you said, Andy, like you know, when it comes to dealing with government, it can be really challenging to get in get in touch with the right people. And so, uh, you know, there are definitely like government organisations that are on the front foot when it comes yeah. to environmental concerns. Of course, the simplest thing about it is to vote for people who support uh, these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the, like, I can't vote because I'm the kind of thing, but um, yeah, I don't think <laughs> we want you to either. But. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, so, like, yeah, so that's that's one for the consumer is basically, you know, voting with your feet where it comes to, um, yeah, when it, when it comes to, you know, government decisions and then also, you know, consumer decisions. Like, you know, you can choose to not support a venue because you've, you know something about their practices or uh, you can make the small decisions like we're talking about, like just don't use a straw. Yeah. Don't, like, don't tell them you don't need a bag or yeah. tell them that you don't need like a straw. If your local cafe has good practices and you're, you're proud of that, leave a review on Facebook or mm-hmm. Google or TripAdvisor and, and mention that because I think that, that feedback will, and that positive feedback will help them keep doing it and maybe it may be a little bit more sort of understanding from the consumer as well in terms of you know if you go to a place and you see that it like and and you feel that maybe it's a little bit more expensive than than what you'd normally pay for a certain product um whatever that might be have a think about you know what might be going on behind the scenes maybe have a look at their social media or ask someone at the venue like where, where's this from? Like, where's this, where's this beef from? Or, 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 or who's your veg supplier? Or what are your practices when it comes to your food waste? Mm. And it might give you a sort of a bit more empathy as to why a, a business might be charging that certain price or uh, providing their product in the way that they do. Yeah. So there's, I think there's just sort of... It's, it's about understanding and proactivity on all levels, essentially. Mm. And con- yeah. constantly moving forward. And as Jack said... It's coming. No matter what, no, no matter like we are constantly progressing towards a, a better environmental future in Australia and and across a lot of the Western world. So, um, you know, it's coming. So let's be on the front foot. And and I guess that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about it on the podcast is is to put it into people's minds a bit as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about in like just to wrap just to wrap this environmental conversation up? Uh, I think again, it's, it's going to be consumer-driven. If, um, if by asking questions and by you know saying "fuck yeah, good on you guys for doing that," that's going to push businesses to do it more. You know, if, if you're leaving nice reviews and saying nice things, that's going to make businesses want to want to you know, see what else they can they can change, how else they can make the practices better. So I think, yeah, just be vocal about it. Talk to people. Yeah, ask, ask positivity, people. like you know, credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the bottom line. Is that businesses? Like, we'd love to make massive changes and buy us composter, but if, if, if it's not going to lead to more people coming to the restaurant, then, then we can't afford it. Yeah, so, so yeah, we, we need to know that people yeah, are appreciating it and, and yeah. people want that, and then yeah, we can we can keep getting better at it. Yeah, yeah. and don't just as a consumer, I guess, don't just think. Um, Oh, it's up to business owners to do it, or it's up to the government to do it. Like, well, I think we've talked about the, the three different tiers of it, like mm. through the whole podcast, and they're all important. Like, where I'm a business owner and a consumer, um, there's, there's something that I can do, there's something that 
something that everyone can do. And don't, yeah, don't just sort of place responsibility on um, whether it be a, a business or, or the government because you think the business has more money than you do or whatever. Because <laughs> more often than not, it's not the case. Yeah, um, I think for businesses, if you haven't put any small things into practice, um, there's plenty of information. We've listed a couple of things. Yeah. Like make, make those small little steps because they do make a, a difference overall. And if everyone starts doing it, that's the key. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I say this at the end of every podcast, but we're not here solving the world's problems. We're just giving our thoughts and maybe, maybe hopefully we're sparking something in some people to make some decisions. I thought we'd solve heaps of problems by now. But we're like, oh, I can solve the world. Environmental loop done. We're just solved. (laughs) We're just just talking shit. (laughs) Planet solved most of it for me already. What a guy. Um, that's it, guys. We were going to talk about, like, we were going to have another segment in here that was about um, the Australian Financial Review Top 100 restaurants that were released this week. Uh, but I don't think that, I, I don't think we've got enough time really to go into that because it's a long conversation. And we are going to be doing a podcast and maybe we should make it our next one about, uh, you know, reviews and not online reviews, but reviewing and, 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 and lists such as this one. Uh, I can say a big congratulations to Babyface and Cavo for the Australian Financial Review. Uh, neither of you made it to the top 100, so congratulations no, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, Go regional restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's about, about 10 regional restaurants. Yeah, no. Less than. <laughs> anyway, yeah. nice work, boys. Yeah, no worries. Keeping the dream alive. Thanks, thanks, Dad. I didn't see the fucking Yeah, I didn't see that on there. Top 10 cookbooks this year. <laughs> Original cookbook. <laughs> um, let's wrap it up. Uh, like we're just going to end end these podcasts now with any regional sort of like news and events. Uh, last week we already talked about some of the events that are going on. There's dinner with a conscience on at uh, the innovation campus. Guys, uh, events coming up for you guys. What do you got there? Uh, truffle? truffle dinner. We also have a winter warmers dinner where we're going to take some sort of classic wintry dishes and, and fuck with them a little bit. Cool. Um, sort of play with cocker van and sort of braise beef cheek and things like that. So that'll be quite fun. It's right menu. Winter um, warmers. Get around it at Cavo. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cavo. Nice. As always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a question. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, that's all we've got. Cool. Andy? Uh, we've got. I'm in chats with a couple of different ones. We're always like in chats with people. You are. You're but in chats with a lot of no, people. No, but we've got... Um, You're in chats with... We have got one in August that we haven't actually... Haven't actually um, like released yet on social media or anything, but it's going to be PNV um, from Newtown. Yes. Yeah. So like Mike Benny and his crew. And we just want to turn the place into a big old fucking disco. Sick. And uh, they'll be slinging a whole bunch of booze. Um, we haven't really worked out the final details, but we've finally got a date. Um, but we'll be putting that out probably in the next week or so. Can we, so. Can we dress like... It's can it be like a studio... We all dress like Mike Benny. Studio that, that's actually one of the ideas that... Right. Exploded. Everyone's got Mike Benny look-alike contest. Anyway, we'll get to the nitty-gritty of it. Cool. Well... I don't have any events coming up, well, but I want to... Root, rootstock cancelled oh, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and forever. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Apparently. Um, the, they said last year. Yeah. Last year. So they're obviously not doing Japan now, too. Done. Yeah, right. right. Well, they said last year will be the last thing that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So there may be a new okay. thing, but that was, that was pretty... Uh, that's, that's, that's the news. 
Yeah, fucking good stock. So, um, oh, who didn't? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah if, you could, if you could remember it. Um, yeah, cool. I yeah. I, the only thing I want to plug again is my uh, community radio show on Vox FM. It's Tuesday nights from eight till ten. If you're in the hospitality industry, if you're a chef, if you're a business owner, uh, it's sort of the same opportunity as this. I had these two guys, Andy and Simon, on last week just talking about winter food. Uh, if you're in Wollongong and you want to come on the radio and chat about food, whatever issue it might be or whatever, you know, it can be anything from as simple as different ways to make your Milo to, uh, you know, some nitty-gritty stuff, but I just sit there, chat shit and play music mm. for a couple of hours. And the, the show's going to develop, like, a lot as, as it goes on. And, um, yeah, it, it sort of needs your support. And community radio in general is a cool thing to support. So, um, yeah, 8 to 10 on Tuesday nights in the Illawarra, or you can stream it. Um, Takes requests for songs as yeah, well. Does yeah, you can yeah. request songs. Yeah. The boys requested one last night. Yeah. That's good. They're doing a kitchen clean down. Um, you can get all the info regarding this podcast on quicksandfood.com slash podcast. That's where the whole catalogue lies. Uh, you can email the show, info at quicksandfood.com. And you can give us any questions or thoughts you'd have. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch with us. And also, uh, if you have any feedback about any anything that we've done, please get in touch. Uh, and it's also Quicksand Food on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, you can if you're a local business and you want to help us out so we can finally buy some fucking microphones that we can afford and make the sound a bit better mm. um, there if you're an audio if you're an audio shop which I think there are a few out there maybe lend us your microphones who knows yeah. Um, yeah that's it for now I guess the other thing as well from me is the Hidden Harvest When Life Gives You Lemons campaign continues so if you've got citrus at the moment uh, go to the Hidden Harvest website check them out on Facebook or whatever donate your citrus to either Flame Tree and Thoreau, the source bulk foods in Wollongong, uh, Port Kembla, uh, Green Connect office, or at the Botanic Gardens are all donation spots around the Illawarra. Guys, social media, plug, whatever. Kavo uh, Restaurant, Kavo Restaurant, Facebook, uh, Simon Evans Kavo, my one for pictures of dogs and food and beer. Cool. And dogs on people's heads. Dogs on people's heads, yeah. Uh, at Babyface Kitchen, at two underscore smoking barrels, at Chef Andy Burns. Sweet. Mm. Follow. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We've had some cool feedback. Like, we, we Simon um, gave this podcast in a plug to, uh, like, in Good Food the other week, and we've had some cool feedback top, since. Top 10 podcasts that chefs listen to. Apparently, yeah. I listen to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, any, any like that sort of positive reinforcement for us is awesome. I've had a few messages via social media and stuff as well from random business owners from around the Illawarra who are digging the podcast and we really, really appreciate that people are listening. We kind of started this never really expecting anyone to listen to it. We just wanted to have a bit of fun. And now, for some reason, it's, it's, it is what it is. So we're glad you're enjoying it. And yeah. if you are but you haven't let us know, let us know. And keep listening. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cool. Later. Bye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.